Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So then you tell Ms. Jessica, give me back my deposit. I didn't say it like that. <laughs> uh, I called <laughs> and answer. I'm not disrespectful. This is the plaintiff, Danielle. She says she agreed to rent a house from the defendant, gave her a deposit, and the house wasn't ready for moving. So she asked for her deposit back. The defendant refuses to refund her in full, and she's not going to be ripped off by anyone. So she's suing here and now for the $300 she's still owed. This is the defendant, Jessica. She says she was completely on schedule for having the work done on the house and having it ready for moving. But the plaintiff changed her mind and asked for her $800 deposit back. Technically, she didn't have to return anything to her. But to be nice, she gave her back 500 bucks because she knew she really needed it. She ended up losing out on a renter because of the plaintiff's flip-flopping attitude and owes her nothing more. She's accused of not returning nearly everything. All parties, please raise your right hands. What you are about to witness is real. The litigants are not actors. They are involved in legitimate disputes, and they have agreed to have those disputes settled here in our forum, the People's Court. The People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Leal is now presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, ma'am. All right, Ms. Danielle. You're walking down the street one day and you see a house you liked. And you, what, what attracted you? You saw a for rent sign? Yes, ma'am. I went back. Uh, she was there. She, you know, invited me in. She told me uh, a lot of things that were going on uh, in the home. Some things were stolen. So it was going to take, a, you know, she said about a week to uh, get it finished. So I said, okay. Actually, my 18-year-old uh, daughter, uh, got out of the car and she came and met Miss Jessica and Miss Jessica's daughter and my daughter went to school together. So that was, you know, that was pretty cool, we thought. So, you know, we talked a little bit as we walked around the home. Uh, she said that she had a, a lady that was going to rent with a uh, voucher. A Section 8 voucher? Uh, yes, ma'am. And then she said, okay. no, no. She said, first come, first serve. So, you know, asked her how much the deposit was. She said it was eight uh, $800. I said, I can come tomorrow after work and I can pay you the, the $800. She said that it would take a week to finish the home. So uh, actually, I asked my dad, uh, was it okay if we stayed for a, a week until she got finished? Which he said, okay. 
So the next day I got off from work. As soon as I got off, I called her. I had the, I had my money order and she said that it was not going to take a week. It was going to be until the 20th. I said the 20th. She said, yes, yeah, she said, because uh, some vents had to be put in, um, uh, something about the plumbing going underneath the house and the gentleman that she had that was going to uh, do it had some other people in front of her. So she said it was going to take longer and they were going to have to wait. So I said, I said, well, okay. And, you know, we exchanged things. I left. Everything was fine up until the 12th. And I had uh, initially, I had already went and put an application in other rental uh, realty companies before I even saw Miss Jessica. But you had, oh, so you had put in other applications? Had you paid other deposits? No, it was just, no, no, man. It was just, you know, I was needing something quick. But my dad, you know, I thought I was safe because my dad said, you know, that me and my children could stay there. Plus, they were, you know, going back and forth to school and things like that. So uh, my dad had... I guess he had filled out for a housing voucher or some type of a uh, living voucher. So that shortened my time staying with him. So on the 12th, I called Miss Jessica and I was telling, well, she Yeah, but how much can it shorten your time? He's in the middle of a, of a lease. So he, he, he may want to leave quickly, but he's already paid rent for March where he is. So you still have somewhere to live for March, right? Yeah, I, no, I still had some. I yeah. still had somewhere to, to yeah to live. But my dad, like I said, he said he was leaving. He was packing his stuff up. And he okay, but leaving. let's be honest. What happened is one of the other places you applied for, you got right. No, they didn't. Uh, she didn't call me back. I believe until like that day before the lady from the realty company, and she said she had been trying and to get said a, what that I was approved, that everything went through, that you were approved, and that place is the place yes. you chose. That's where you wanted to go. All right. So then you tell Ms. Jessica, give me back my deposit. I didn't say it like that. <laughs> uh, I called, she didn't answer. I'm not disrespectful. So I told her, you know, I texted and I told her, you know, I thank her for the opportunity, you know, to be able to uh, reside in a home. But, you know, I was approved somewhere else. So me and my children, you know, trying to get them stable and with an address for, for school. And, so and that's fine. Those may be the best decisions. And you, you're a great mother and you made the best decision for yourself and your kids. Why does it have to cost Jessica, though? You know, you ended okay, up, well, Miss Jessica, you returned. You held that place for her for how long? Two weeks. And that was the initial agreement okay. that we were going to have that place ready in two weeks. She didn't even give me time. She called me a week later stating that she wanted her money back. Did she tell you why? She told me that her dad had got approved for a Section 8 voucher and that um, she wasn't going to be able to stay with him anymore. But like you said, he still had time because he had already paid rent at the place he was living at. You told her you'd have it ready in two weeks. Did you tell her that from the beginning or did you tell her that on the day that she was giving you the, the deposit? I, I told her the day that she uh, paid her deposit. And it's also notated that she put in the report. All right. Well, I don't think there's any question that she said, well, okay, and that she was fine with it because she didn't say, give me back that money I just handed you. You know, everything was going to be fine. The new and intervening circumstances, the fact that she ends up getting the call for the other apartment. Now, she calls you and she says, I'd like my deposit back. And what do you say to her? I told her, I said, well, Miss Danielle, um, due to the situation that you told me that has happened, that has, any, that has nothing to do with me. I said, I done lost that in the tenant. So what I will do is give you $500 of your $800 back. And I cashed that to her. The way that went, she texted me, actually. 
I want to get it correct because I don't want to say something that uh, she did not say. That's okay. She said, hello, Miss Danielle. Basically, at this time, I am taking a loss because I had a tenant and you said it, that uh, you had been approved for another house elsewhere, which is a breach of the verbal agreement. I text her. And I told her, I said, Miss Jessica, I said, technically, the other tenant couldn't get a voucher. I said, because the home was not complete. She said, uh, technically, I, I don't have to give you back anything. She said, but I'll go ahead and give you your $500 back, but not the three. Can I ask you a question? Have, do you know what the law says she has to do? No, ma'am, I do not. Well, you're about to hear it from me. She doesn't have to give you back a penny. Even if the house wasn't finished? Well, see, that's the thing. You tell her on the 12th or 13th that you're not taking it, that you found something else. So she's no longer hustling to get it ready for you on the 20th anymore. So you can't look at it and see that it's not finished on the 20th because who's she finishing it for? She doesn't have a tenant. So why is she going to pay money to finish it hustling on the 20th when nobody's moving in? So you can't look at the fact that it wasn't done on the 20th or it wasn't done on April 4th and say, ah, you would have breached because what really happened is you changed your mind and you decided to go to another place, which could be the best decision you ever made. But it should cost you. It should not cost her because legally speaking, when you leave a deposit, it is by default non-refundable unless somebody writes refundable because what's the point of the deposit? It's for her to hold it for you. And she did for one week. So you're not entitled to a penny back. And she ended up giving you, I guess, out of the goodness of her soul, 500 back. So she's actually 100% correct on the law. You got to be really, really sure before you leave a deposit, and you got to be willing to let it ride if you pick another place. It's got to be on you. It's not supposed to cost her. Verdict in this case for the defendant. So, the plaintiff learns a lesson in the law from the judge. Danielle, I must tell you, you are one of the most polite ladies I've heard on in court in a long time. What do you think the judge, uh, rather, what, do, what are you thinking of the judge's decision? Well, she's the judge. You know, it. I can't be combative with that. You know, she's with the gavel, not me. Well, what do you think of what she, she just said? You're not going to get your money. How do you feel about that? Well, you win some, you lose some. You know, um... The best thing I can say is, man, by the grace of God, I wake up in the morning. <laughs> well, congratulations. You almost sound like a winner, <laughs> but you're not. Sorry about that. All right, let's talk to Jessica. Jessica, wh wh what are you thinking? You, you just learned you didn't have to give her anything back. Well, no, uh, actually, I have several homes that I rent to people, and I do know the law when it comes to real estate. I'm an agent, and I'm also a landlord. So I knew she was in the wrong when she tried to come back to me and request for her money, but the sake of her kids. I gave her $500 back. So you just gave her the $500 back because you're a nice lady. Is that the reason? Yes, sir. Well, good for you. All right. Congratulations. You're off the hook. And that'll wrap it up for this case. Really interesting case. Let's learn more about this now and how the judges feel about it. Here again, Judge Marilyn and her husband, Judge John. Another edition of After the Verdict. They say no good deed goes unpunished, okay? <laughs> and th this case might be an illustration of that. In this circumstance, you've got the defendant who said, you know, she's in a tight spot here. She's got kids. Uh, she needs the money desperately. And she gives her back 500 of the $800. But the reality is, especially with leases and apartments, when you give a landlord a deposit, a security deposit, or a deposit to hold an apartment, 
they take the goods off the shelf and right. nobody can see the goods for a while right. and they're losing opportunity and time to rent the apartment. Right. So you can't expect that to be refundable. No, no. But I do have to say, I'd like to be neighbors with either of them because they they were both very nice, very, very nice people. And, you know, she was very nice to, to give her back 500 of her own dollars because right. they belong to her. She right. knows they belong to her. Right. And she literally gave them back to, to the plaintiffs. So. Nice to see that. I wish we saw it a little more often <laughs> in, in litigation. But, yes, she kicked back 500 and uh, they both had great attitudes. Yeah. John, this is a really good question. Uh, it is going to depend on the state. Most states are not arresting people who don't wear masks, at least for now. I don't think that is going to happen. I think it's going to be almost impossible to enforce this and prosecute it because so many people, unfortunately, and I, I'll just say it, are doing the wrong thing and not wearing masks. Masks keep us safe. Masks will protect this economy. Will they get arrested? Probably not. That will do it for this case. Litigants for the next case on the way into the courtroom right now. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This is the plaintiff, Alyssa Rose. She says she purchased a hunk of junk 2003 Volkswagen from the defendant. And the guy should go to jail because she could have been killed in the thing. The engine basically fell out of the car due to rusted motor mounts. The thing's useless to her. The defendant refuses to return the money or honor a warranty because he's a dealer who has 20 cars listed for sale on the Internet. And she's suing him here and now for the $1,858 he basically stole from her. This is the defendant, Vince Russo. He says he was a car dealer for 57 years, and he sold the plaintiff a car with an implied warranty, which covers seven days from the time of sale because the car had over 125,000 miles on it. One month after the sale, the plaintiff demanded her money back after driving it around for a month, doing who knows what with it. He's in Walmart, he doesn't take returns, and owes her nothing. He's accused of unloading a flawed auto. All parties, please take your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff bought a car from the defendant and says when she was driving, the engine fell out. She almost got killed. The defendant saying, hey, I've been selling cars for 57 years. I would never put anybody in danger like that. It's the case of hoop de doo Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, ma'am. All right, Ms. Rose, talk to me. What happened? I had been looking for a vehicle. Um, I found the Jetta on the Facebook Marketplace, and my dad and I had actually gone to see it. I met with his stepdaughter, I believe, at his residence, and then um, she had us follow her to a different location. There were several cars there, and um, when we went to go look at the Jetta, I wasn't able to test drive it. They didn't have um, any plates for it. 
So I did purchase it from them, and that day it has. Why would you out. buy? Wait, 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 wait. Let's slow down. Let's slow our roll. Why would you purchase a car that you had not even test driven? Why would you do that? I was honestly just looking for a car, and it seemed like it was in good condition. Um, as soon as I by what in your car, vast experience of looking at a pretty color? I mean, the whole thing you're buying is the transportation part. And why would you want to buy a car where you didn't even test drive it? That's just, that seems so unwise. You realize that now, right? Yes, I do. And I do honestly I hope so. not even test driving it. Um, but my dad looked at yeah. it and he does know a little bit about vehicles. If your dad knew something about vehicles, he wouldn't have let you buy the car without test driving it. Let's just, you know, establish that. But go ahead. I bought it. Um, I had driven it um, almost to my house. And it had stalled out a couple of times on me, so I had contacted him, and he told me to bring it to his mechanic. All the mechanic told me to do was put new gas in it, and as soon as I brought it to my mechanic, he told me that the transmission um, was going to go on it. It was no good. It was the same day that I had purchased the vehicle, and both me and my father had tried to contact him, telling him that I wanted to bring it back, that I didn't even want it on the first day. And I got no response. And I'm sorry, hold on one second. So you texted him on the first day and told him that you wanted to return it. And where are those texts? Because I didn't see a text on the first day. Because I do see you talking about the trunk being a problem, that you couldn't open the trunk on October 30th. I don't see you saying, I want to return this car. It doesn't drive well. There's a transmission problem. All the things you just said, you said, you don't say them until a month later in the text. My father, my father had um, the conversation with him about that, I believe. So there are no texts that say that. You don't have any proof of that. I mean, if I could look on my phone right now, I could double check. I just purchased a new phone and changed my number, so I wouldn't have any text messages from that. No, you sent us lo loads of text messages. It's just that what I've read, and I've read them all very carefully, isn't what you are saying was communicated. The only thing you said on October 30th was the trunk problem. He didn't answer you until November 5th, and he said, listen, this is a, you know, a trunk problem is a minor thing, and it's on you, it's not on me. Um, oh, and by I the way, in that text of, just a second, that text of October 30th, when you're complaining about a trunk not opening, you never once mentioned, and the car stalled twice. That's not in that text. I had sent him a message. Um, my father had contacted him, and he told him... To so let's see the text from it. your father. Or is your father here as a witness? Um, my father's in the other room. I can see if he would like to come and be a witness. Well, let's see if it's necessary. Keep telling me what happens. You keep driving the car, and what happens? On November 27th, I was driving, and my hood started smoking, and I had pulled over, and I was um, going to get a tow. I was trying to pull it into a parking lot, and all of a sudden, everything just dropped to the ground. I couldn't move my vehicle. Um, I had towed it to my mechanic on the 27th of November, and um, he told me that the driver's side axle broke, the motor mount broke, and the bolts on the engine and the transmission were out of position due to a broken motor mount and transmission mount, and the positive battery for um, my starter broke. Okay. And um, so you want Mr. Russo to return the money that you paid him for the car, the 1500 plus you want the money for the registration fees and the money for the tow. Yes, correct. Correct? All right. Yes. And let me hear from you, Mr. Russo. Well, what she says is partially true. We sold her the vehicle on uh, October we? 30th.
myself and Leah, who is a person who helps me. I have trouble with motivation. I can't walk so well, so I need people to help me. Uh, where were we? You tell me. You sold her the vehicle. And sold her the vehicle. So she was shown the vehicle first. A couple of days after that, she came back and she paid for it. That was on October 30th. When she came, she came to my home with her grandmother with a pickup truck. That time I said to her, can I give you a couple screws for your number plate? And she says, no, I'm going to take the front plate off my grandmother's truck and I'm going to put it on there. That's not true. I heard from her that very same day after she took the vehicle. She told me it wasn't running properly. I sent her oh, to my Oh, she did. Okay. Well, there mechanic. you go. He admits it. Okay. Mm -hmm. oh, she yeah, told you it wasn't running properly. Correct. I sent her to my mechanic. The mechanic told her it was bad gas. That was the issue. What's bad gas? Old? Well, sometimes gas is old in the car or something like that. You know, sometimes car sitting gets water in the gas system. But anyway, that re she rectified that problem. The next time I heard from her was she had a problem getting in the trunk of the car, which I think, as you can see, I answered that. This isn't, you know, a con really a concern of mine. She knows she bought the car with no express warranty. Anything over in Massachusetts, over 125,000 miles, has no express warranty. She has seven days to get this car inspected. If she receives a good inspection, then that declares the car merchantable. If she fails inspection, it's her job to notify me. She never notified me. So as far as I'm concerned, she never got an inspection at that time. And she has seven days to do that. That is the law. I mean, I have to abide right. by the law. Everybody has to abide by the law. Ms. Rose, let me ask you a question. You feel that Mr. Russo should return your money because the car is a lemon. But he only has to return your money if he violated a warranty that he gave you. Whether he's a car dealer or an independent person makes no difference. If a car is over 125,000 miles, there is no requirement for even a car dealer to make an express warranty on the car. But you hail from the great state of Massachusetts, which has a really consumer-friendly law. And that law allows you to take any car you buy from anybody to inspection. And if it fails the inspection, Within seven days of purchase, no questions asked. You get your money back. It's awesome. And a couple of other states have that law. And it's, it's great because there's just no questions asked, right? Did you take the car to get inspected? I did take it to get inspected. Um, my mechanic told when me When did that you take it, it to get inspected? No, 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 no. I mean a formal state of Massachusetts inspection. Did you take the car to be inspected? Not that you have your mechanic look at it. Those are two different things. Show no, me I did have the failure of the inspection. Show me the failure. There's a form that gets filled out. It fails. Show it to me. I don't have it on me. Um, I wasn't able to get in touch with my mechanic to get 
the um, couple of things that I needed due to the coronavirus. Um, he's been sick. Um, but I did take... You should have that anyway. But I don't think... I think you just brought it to your mechanic. I don't think it failed inspection. You would have mentioned that by now if, it, if you had a formal state of he, Massachusetts inspection conducted and it had failed inspection. I don't know that he's certified to do the inspections. He may not be. He's just your mechanic. I do know that as a mechanic, you should probably have told you, hey, lady, go take this to an inspection. And, you know, if it fails, it fails. Because uh, he should probably know that. He's probably seen this a million times. I didn't get a sticker for it because I didn't have the extra money to get the sticker because I was already paying off what I had to borrow for the vehicle and then what I had to pay. I'm not understanding a word you're fix. saying because none of it is making any sense. Let me explain to you how it works. You pay 30 bucks, you get a form that says it failed. And the law requires you to hustle after that. You've got between day seven and day 14 to alert him that there was a failed inspection and demand your money back. None of that happened in this case, so I don't think you had a failed inspection. So even though I feel sorry for you for the circumstances that you're in, that it ends up being that you ended up buying a car that you can't afford the repairs on, it's a car with 146,000 miles, and there is no warranty, and you did not avail yourself of the failure. You can't come to court and say, hey, somebody told me it was going to fail. You actually have to go through the motions and get it inspected. If it passes, you're out of luck, and if it fails, then you know, you take that and you send it to him and you have from day seven to day 14 to demand your money back. None of that stuff happened. There's just no excuse for someone in Massachusetts not understanding this law because it's been around forever to protect you. And when you're, if you're going to buy a car, you know, educate yourself on your rights and obligations. Um, you know, I feel bad that you had all these people around you who know cars a little better and they didn't educate you on it. But you can't just say, ah, he told me it was going to fail. That's not how it works, okay? So I'm sorry that you're in this position, but I find in this case in favor of Mr. Russo. That is my judgment. So it didn't work out for the plaintiff. She's not going to get her money back. Ms. Rose, let me ask you a quick question here. Your dad went with you to look at the car. Didn't he caution you about waiting and drive test driving it before buying it? Um, he did. Uh, unfortunately, at the time, I was out of a vehicle, and I was going to lose um, my job pretty much if I didn't have a vehicle to get there. So we bought it, and I was hoping that he would have taken it back the day that I had contacted him, but he didn't. So. Well, you learned a really tough lesson the hard way. I feel very sorry for you, but as you heard the judge, you know, you had many options. You just didn't take, take advantage of them. Sorry about it. You lose. Let's talk to Mr. Russo. I, Mr. Russo, do you feel sorry for her? I mean, that's kind of I a do. tough lesson for her. I do. It was a tough lesson for her, but, you know, uh, she should have been aware of that. I, obviously, she didn't have the car registered. That's why she didn't uh, go for an inspection sticker. All right, sir. Well, you won this one. Congratulations. All righty? Thank you. And that'll wrap it up for this case. Let us join uh, Judge Millian and her husband, a real judge, Judge John, for more after the verdict. Watching you listen to this case and listen to the testimony, it kept going through my head, how can somebody buy a car without test driving the car? <laughs> And speaking as someone who has owned a few thousand-dollar cars, <laughs> sold a thousand-dollar car during our marriage. Oh, yeah. When we first met, you had a thousand-dollar car. Chevy, I sold for a thousand. Yeah, that was a great car, by the way. Well, I, I'll bet it's still running. Your brother's still mad at you because he gave you that car. He is. But the guy who bought that one, in fact, didn't test drive it. I was at your, mother, your mother's house 
in the dark and he came, somebody dropped him off, he walked up, he looked at the car, he had me start it, and he just started counting out money on the front hood. He said, <laughs> does it run well in Spanish? And I said, yeah, it runs great. And he just got in it and drove off. And I'll bet you that car's still running. Yeah, that was a great car. Well, let's but face it, you're kind you, of a, You can't buy a pig in a poke like that. You no. really have to test drive a car. But most, you know, what kills me about people in the state of Massachusetts, because I've been saying that if they just watch the people's court, they'd know the law. Right. And they would know that they have their seven days to go ahead and get the car inspected. And if it fails, it fails, and that's it. They get their money back. It would be awesome, you and know, if people just followed that. Right, if they follow that protocol, they have some protection, and they don't have to Because fight. typically, most states don't have that. So you buy a used car, you bought a used car. That's it. So I tell people all the time, you shouldn't even buy a used car until you have it seen by a mechanic. But nobody wants to buy a thousand-something-dollar car and spend a hundred dollars on a mechanic to take right. a look at it. The reason you're looking at the thousand-dollar car is because you don't have the hundred dollars to pay bucks. the mechanic. But exactly. for the love of all that's holy, at least test drive it. Exactly. I mean, what are you going to do? Kick the tires and say sold, you know, and and then and you know and then complain? I mean, well, there you have it. The return of the Jetta. Right? <laughs> Non-return of the Jetta. All right. Bradley, this is a great question because a lot of people assume as soon as there's a dispute, what you do is you go to court. That should be the last resort. The best thing to do is you sit down with the person and you say, look, we have an honest disagreement here. Let's go over it, figure out who's right and who's wrong and see if you can work it out. And I'll tell you one other thing. It's not a bad idea maybe to concede a point or two to the other person to make them feel like you're listening. And that will do it for this case. Litigants for the next case on the way in the courtroom right now. This is the plaintiff, Juanita Wright. She says her 27-year-old son was tragically murdered and the defendant was hired to print T-shirts with his picture on them for the funeral. The defendant delivered the T-shirts late, the morning of the funeral, in fact. And when she got them, they were damaged. She was so upset, she's suing for the return of the $700 she paid. And when the pandemic is over, she's going to have a proper memorial with new shirts to honor his memory. This is the defendant, Deanna Halstead. She says she did her best to get the correct material for the shirts for the plaintiff. But during the pandemic, she had trouble finding the right ones. She did her best considering the circumstances. She delivered half the shirts the day before the funeral, and everything seemed okay. If there were any problems, she could have fixed them for the plaintiff before the funeral. She never complained, so here they are. She's accused of making terrible teas. All parties, please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, this is so sad. The plaintiff's son was murdered and she ordered t-shirts from the defendant with her son's picture on it for the memorial service as the, the pictures came out terrible on the shirt. Now the defendant saying she did the best she could in the middle of a pandemic and says that she delivered the shirts and the plaintiff never complained. It's the case of terrible tease. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, ma'am. Ms. Wright. Yes. I am so sorry for your loss. My understanding is that your son was murdered? Yes. When did that happen? May 4, 2020. Okay, in the middle of this pandemic. And you decided to hold some type of memorial for him thereafter, correct? Uh, it was the funeral itself. 
I was able with the actual funeral and for free in the world. Okay. Um, in preparation for that funeral, you decided to purchase some T-shirts with some writing on it. Tell me about that. Um, personally, I was the one that just wanted to wear the T-shirt with a picture on it of my son. Uh, because um, that's something that me and him used to wear, T-shirts, jeans, and white Air Force Nikes. So after everyone heard that I wanted to wear it, then everybody else wanted to wear them. All right, so other people also wanted to have the T-shirt. So Dior, what is Dior's relationship to you? She's a half-sister to the gentleman who passed, to your son? Yes, to my son. So she wow. knew Ms. Halstead, and she, she told you about this connection with Ms. Halstead to have the T-shirts printed individually, like each would say nephew or, you know, sister or whatever it is that they needed to say, correct? Yes. Okay. I do Did you ever talk to Ms. Yeah, can I see them? This was his daughter's shirt. Right. This was the shirt of me and my son. As you can see, the picture looks like um, it's from 10 years ago. And the writing on the back is already coming off. And the writing is different from what's on the front. Okay. This one here is for his... Oh, is that the actual picture coming off? Yes. This shirt hasn't even been worn. This is how it was okay. taken out the package. And you can see the picture. And it's never been worn. And it's cracking. Okay. All right, so let me ask you, when do you get the T-shirts delivered? Um, the T-shirts were delivered to me at 1230, May 17th of the day of the funeral. When were they supposed to be delivered? May 13th. And the amount you paid is actually $620 because you got a discount, right? Well, that's the thing. I didn't know anything about a discount. All I know is it was $700 for 35 shirts. The shirt Did you hand Dior $700? Um, handed her and cash at her. Who's her? Dior? Dior, yes. Oh, well, then Dior owes you 80 bucks. Let her know, because Ms. Halstead, let me talk to you. How much were you getting paid for this job? 620? Yes. Okay. Can I ask you a question? What went wrong with these shirts? I'm watching how it's cracking and it's falling apart. What was the problem? Welcome back to the People's Court. The judge was just asking the defendant why these T-shirts started to fall apart during the memorial service. It is unclear who's going to win this case. One thing is clear. This is really, really sad. Let's go back into the courtroom. When I got the order for the T-shirts, I ordered from Amazon. The, the material that I used is from Amazon. Amazon sent me the wrong material. When I contact Amazon to get um, the correct material, they said I would not be able to get it right away because of the pandemic. They had everything delayed. So even if I reordered it, I wouldn't be able to get it one time. I was in the house for a long time, so I didn't realize how um, much, like how many schools were actually closed. I got in my car and tried to go to um, Walmart, different places that I could have told that I needed. 
What was the problem with the T-shirt? In your answer to the complaint, what you say is that you did the best you could because the materials weren't available. I let Dior know. I don't, this lady I never met before. I don't know her. I never met her. This is the first time I've seen her. I seen her on a picture. Other than that, I did everything with Dior. I talked to Dior and I told Dior that I could not find the right material in the store. No, the stores that I usually went to were closed because of the pandemic. I also had to go get more vinyl, but their store wasn't open like it normally is supposed to be open. So then I, I know, but if you there. can't do it right, then don't do it. Don't take the job. Let her go to someone else. But, you know, why is it that she should pay you? I mean, um, I'm, I'm looking I, I, at the T-shirt. Stuff is falling right off. I talked to Dior, and Dior told me to continue with the job and do the best that I could do. That's the person that I talked to. I don't communicate. But you knew that Dior was her agent, that she was doing it on her behalf, you know, and I'm looking at these shirts. How many of the shirts do you have left, Ms. Wright? I have, I still have some that I haven't even given to people because they're all messed up and the people don't want it. They only did this on the strength of me. Nobody wanted this okay. until I said I wanted it. And this young lady, just like she said, she never met me. But she didn't answer my call. She did not return my call. She also did not return my text. I gave her one call, left a message. I left her one text, and, and that was it. She never responded to me at all. Okay, can I ask you a question? Was there ever a time when she offered to make them correctly? No, from what I heard through Dior, because she would not speak to me, Dior told me that she would do mugs. And I said, we didn't pay $20 a piece for mugs. Don't I've heard enough. I've heard enough. I don't, I don't think there's ever an excuse to say, all right, I can't do a good job, but I can do a garbage job that's gonna fall apart. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that's okay. All right, and then charge the person for it. You know that Dior was there on her behalf, bringing you her money, and I'm, I'm not gonna allow it. I am going to order you to return the $620 verdict for the plaintiff, and if you want to take, I don't know if there's ever even anything you can do with those shirts, if you want them back, you gotta send her a prepaid label and she'll send them back to you. That's my verdict, good luck, folks. Thank you. Well, I'm sure the defendant is not too happy about that. She's got to return the money. Ms. Halstead, tell me, what do you think about the judge's decision? You lost. Yeah, I don't agree with it. She needed to give me the shirts back before I do anything because the shirts cost money, the vinyl cost money, the material that I spent cost money. So. They didn't turn out to be very good, so the quality really was terrible. That's why you lost. Let me go to Ms. Wright, who's the plaintiff. You just won the case. Ms. Wright, you should look a little excited somewhat because you did win here today. Yeah, but you know, it's hard, and it hurts that I even had to go to court for this, knowing that, you know, she did do something wrong and never responded to me at all. So, it has prevailed today. Thank you, Judge. All right, let's join the judge now, Judge Melian and her husband, for another session of After the Verdict. This case, Marilyn, really highlights the importance when you're buying goods from a merchant as a consumer um, where you have to have them by a deadline for something like this. Um, 
you got to have some cushion. You got to have some time in between. You got to get delivery of things like this at least a couple days in advance. Well, Otherwise, she tried. She was supposed to get it on the 15th. Right. And so not only was the defendant incredibly late bringing it to them, you know, right. as they're walking out to the funeral, which is incredibly stressful. But there's no time to cure it or make it better. Right. And typically you do have to give under the Uniform Commercial Code, which governs most all transactions in most all states you have to give the vendor a chance to cure, but not when there is, it's an impossibility really because she already had the funeral and that's when she wanted them for. Um, so that's what happens when you provide the, the item, the product, so close to the deadline. In fact, almost past the deadline. Very risky business doing that, and in this case, and she knew. She knew from the. She knew that that. I mean, the, did you see that? It was fall. The pictures were falling off. She knew she got the wrong thing from Amazon. So why would she continue forward with that? Well, uh, Mrs. Wright, God love her, uh, had to bury her child, and I'm sure this didn't make that day any easier for her. No, I'm sure it didn't. And uh, but she's right in the lawsuit, and she prevails, and hopefully. She said that what she was going to do was have a proper memorial for him where there isn't distancing, and hopefully she'll be able to do that and buy the shirts for that memorial. You know, Isabella, you would think that we didn't have a lot of cases like that where a sibling sues a sibling, but it happens a lot. The reality is this. Try to get the money back. If the person is just saying pound sand, well, you should take him to court because he deserves that.